Here's what we have on tap today. Every week, I'm going to give you what we have on tap, the theology, the application, and our prayer. Uh, this week's theology is the love of God empowers godly living. The love of God empowers godly living. We've been talking about the love of God for four weeks. And the first week, we talked about how God loves you. It's just a reality that God loves people. The second week, we talked about how God rescues us from sin. The love of God rescues us. Last week, we talked about how the love of God overthrows sin's power. Sin's no longer our master. And this week, we're talking about the love of God empowers godly living. The love of God has given us everything we need to live lives that glorify him. The application this week is very similar to last week, and it is depend upon the Spirit instead of, your, of yourself. Depend upon the Holy Spirit rather than yourself. And our prayer this week is, God, help us to depend upon your Spirit so that our lives can bring you glory. And so those are the, those are, that's what's on tap. Uh, the love of God empowers godly living. We trust the Spirit and not ourselves, and we're praying, God, help us to depend upon your Holy Spirit so that our lives can glorify you. We're going to be mostly in Galatians today, so if you want to pull that up on your phone or go ahead and turn there in your Bible, that's where we're mostly going to be today is in the book of Galatians. And we'll be in chapters 3, 5, and 6. When we talk about the love of God empowering us, uh, it's interesting, there are a couple of verses in the Bible, uh, there's a lot of verses, 31,200-ish. But there's a couple of verses in the Bible that talk about, as, as Christians, kind of what's expected of us or what we're called to. So 1 Peter 1, for example, I think I mentioned these verses last week, but 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16 says, Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober in spirit, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you the day Christ Jesus is revealed. And then it says this, it says... As obedient children, it says, Be holy in all of your behavior, for it is written, Be holy, because I, the Lord God, am holy. Let that just sit on you for a second. Be holy in all of your behavior, in all of your conduct, because God says, Be holy like me. That's, that is a big ask, right? Be holy like God. Uh, be holy like He is holy. That, that's a big ask that God would, would put that on us. But the Bible tells us that... God is calling us into an obedient life, into a life that looks like him. He's, he's bringing us to that place. And so the Bible tells us in a couple of places. So, for example, uh, the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 3 uh, that we are supposed to set our mind on the things above, not the things of the earth, that we're supposed to think differently. That we're, we talked about that a little bit last week. That the idea is that when we come into faith, when we put our faith in Jesus for salvation, that God does work in our life, and he's calling us to be more like him. That's what God wants. He wants us to look like him. In fact, 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4 says that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness through his precious and magnificent promises so that we can become partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world that's in it through lust. I want you to think about that for a minute, that God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. Every single thing that you would need to, to up, have a life that upholds Jesus, every single thing that you would need to have a life that proclaims Jesus, God has given you uh, that ability. He's given you that. Now, here's where the mistake is made, okay? So God empowers holy living, but the mistake that we make is that we think now it's about what I need to do. I need to work harder. I need to, I need to be better at something. I need to be more skilled at something. We start thinking that this is about my actions now. And so what most Christians do, in fact, uh, growing up in church my whole life, I heard a lot of teachings that maybe weren't this exactly, but were something like this. Hey, 
Put faith in Jesus. Ask Jesus to save you. You need Jesus to save you from your sins so you don't go to hell. Something like that. And then they would always say, okay, great. You've put faith in Jesus. Now do these things. And they would give you a list. Like, here's the things you need to do. Go to Bible study. Go to church. Read your Bible. Pray every day. Memorize the scripture. Tell somebody about Jesus at school or whatever. And, and there would be a list. And depending on who your teacher was any given week, the list would change a little bit. Right? There was always... Another list, a different list. There would always be something else. Does that make sense? So a lot of times people would be like, okay, great, you've put faith in Jesus, but now do these things. Look this way, behave this way, conduct yourself this way. And what I want us to understand is that the Christian life isn't about you and I trying harder. The Christian life isn't about you and I trying to be better Christians or better versions of ourselves. The Christian life isn't about us, if, if I could just... If I could just try harder, I'd be able to beat this sin. Or if I could just try harder, I'd be able to read my Bible. Or if I could just try harder, I'd be able to pray. The Christian life isn't any of those things. The Christian life started by us saying, I have a need. I have a need for God to do something in my life. I need to be saved. The Christian life started by us expressing a need for God. And the Christian life continues by us still having a need for God. Let me show you something in Galatians 3. The people of the uh, Galatia, uh, like, for example, the book of Philippians is written to Christians in the city of Philippi. The book of Colossians is written to a group of Christians in Colossae. Galatia is not a city, it's an area. And so there's a whole bunch of churches in this area that are called the Galatian churches. And one of the things that was really common in this area is that these Christians um, had, th these Christians had a, Put faith in Jesus. They said, Lord, we want, to, we want to be saved. We want our sins to be taken away. But now they were adopting the attitude that a lot of us in the 21st century adopt. And that's like, I got it from here. I'll take over. And Paul is addressing that in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. And he says this, you foolish Galatians. And I pointed out in the first service that at least he doesn't start off that way in chapter 1 um, with his letter, you foolish Galatians. Um, he's pretty firm in chapter 1, but that's another time. We can talk about that Wednesday. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has tricked you, in other words? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit through works of the law or by hearing with faith? Here's the question that he poses to the people. Did you get saved is really what he's asking. Did you get saved because you obeyed the law or because you had faith in God? That's the question. It's meant to be a very simple question, okay? The answer is faith. Faith saves you, not the works of the law. I hope that, that we can all understand that here. Listen to me, please, please, please. If you're in this room today and you say, if, if we were to sit down and have a conversation and, and I said, hey, have, have you ever put faith in Jesus or are you a Christian? And your answer to me was something like, I've always gone to church or I've read the Bible or I pray every day. I need you to know that none of those things save you. Church attendance, Bible reading, prayer, those things don't save you. Faith in Jesus Christ, faith in who God is, saves you. That's it. It is, it is faith that starts this journey. It is faith that continues this journey. It is faith that completes this journey. It's not that we don't read our Bible or pray or go to church. It's not that we don't do those sorts of things, but those things don't change uh, our, our uh, eternity. They don't reshape for us who we are. So, so what shapes us is our faith. There is a God in heaven, like we talked about three weeks ago, who loves us, who has overthrown sin, has overthrown death. And if we put our faith in him, that's what saves us. Does that make sense? 
So the question he's asking these Galatians, and he, he's expecting that they know the answer. And, and, and I always wonder, like, I mean, it's, um, I, don't, I don't like to text. Uh, I know that that's kind of our culture, and I would much rather get a text than a phone call. Uh, there's a lot of memes now, you know, you see them, and it's like, what, why, are, why are people calling me text? Like, it, just text me. I'm right here, you know, and, but like, uh, and, and I, I don't know. I remember being like in middle school, and Micah's looking at guys' chins. I was just hoping somebody would call me. I didn't have any friends. And so, so you know, like, uh, and, uh, and so when you got a phone call, you were like really excited. And I don't know if you've noticed, but like now you're kind of like, oh, the phone's ringing, <laughs> you know? And so the thing that I don't like about text that I prefer about a face-to-face or a voice is there's a lot more information portrayed in people's voices and their faces than there is in the text. Like, if you think that person's mad at you, it doesn't matter what they say in the text. You're going to read that like they're mad at you, you know? If they say, hey, I hope you have a good day, but you think that they're mad at you, you're reading like, look how sarcastic they are. They said, I hope you have a good day. You know, like that's, and I wonder if Paul is, is like wondering, like, how do I be strong in this letter to the Galatians to show how stupid they're being? Like, because, you know, like, it's just, it's just a letter that somebody's reading. And then, then you have to count that the person's reading it isn't like reading it like, hello, you foolish Galatians. Like, you know, like, Paul's like, hey, I need, I need this conveyed to them. Like, and, and so I read it the way that I suppose Paul would have written it. Uh, I, I'm an artist. Uh, that's, that's my primary source of income. And depending on the piece that I'm painting, I'm very selective about the music that I'm listening to. Because if I'm painting a happy piece, I want to listen to happy music. It kind of informs my brushstrokes a little bit. Does that make sense? Like, creates the mood. Gets me in the mood. I imagine Paul's writing this, and he's like, you foolish Galatians. But, you know, like, he's having dipped the pen, you know, like, furiously or something. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? I have just one question for you, you know. And, like, and there's one letter where he says, you can see with what's, what large letters I'm writing. You know, like, he's like, that, that's, that is the way, he was all capsing. You know, like, in the letter. And he was like, you can see with what large letters I'm writing. And he's like, he goes, who tricked you? Did you start with God through faith or works? And he already knows their question. He already knows their answer to that question. The answer is, we started through faith. The works couldn't save us. We believed God. And our belief in God made us righteous. We're going to be talking about faith over the next few weeks. So we'll be able to flesh this out a little bit more. But this idea that, that it was our faith that saved us. And so Paul, continuing with that, uh, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Verse 3, are you really so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected or complete or made whole by works of the flesh? Having started by the Spirit, are you... Is it really now that like you're like, hey, God, I got it. You can tap out. I'm in. You saved me from hell. Thanks for that. I've got it from here. Are you really that stupid, Paul is asking? Are you really so naive? Are you really so foolish to believe that having started by faith, it's now your turn? And yet, Christians, I need you to know that so much of our Christian culture uh, you you look at the Christian books that are available, you you look at the Christian seminars that are available, and it's like, hey, here's 15 ways to be a better husband, here's 35 ways to be a better wife, and, and it's and it's not that wives need to be better, it's that if you have you ever been to a men's conference? Yeah, no? There's a 
uh, how many of you, like, Promise Keepers, remember Promise Keepers in the 90s? Early 90s, you know, early 2000s maybe. Um, they were good for what they were, you know? Um, but, like, you, you go in and they say, here's how to be a man, a godly man. And it's like, oh, okay, but how about this? How about here's how you follow Jesus? Like, that's not ever what happens. Here, here's your, all your rules for being a godly man. Here's all your rules for being a godly wife. They don't have children's conferences because they wouldn't go, um, you know. Uh, but here's all the ways to be a godly child. Here's how to be a godly employee. Here's how to raise godly kids. And what we end up with is a list that continues to grow on, great, thank you, God, for saving me, but here's now 150 things I have to do. Does that make sense? And it feels overwhelming. Anybody ever feel overwhelmed? Like, you're going through the checklist, you're like, oh, man, I missed 45 things this week. You know, like, it's overwhelming. And so what Paul is doing, although he's kind of ripping the Galatians, he's also trying to encourage them. And he's letting them know, look, having started by the Spirit, it isn't now up to you to finish the race. It's up to God. Having started by faith, finish by faith. Paul says it this way earlier in Galatians, just a few verses earlier in chapter 2, verse 20. He says, for I am crucified with Christ, and I no longer live but the life that I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Here's what he means. He goes, I put my faith in God for salvation and my day-to-day -day life, my day-to-day -day actions that I live in this flesh and blood body, I continue to live by faith in God. God brought me to salvation. God also brings me to righteousness. God brought me to salvation. God also brings my life into conformity with his own. God brought me to salvation. God is the one who births his character and his likeness in me. Philippians 1.6, Paul says, For God who began this good work in you will carry it on to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. Here, here's what we do. We say, hi and holy God, or we, not, we might not use those words. Forgive me for a moment. Let me wax poetic, okay? And so we go, hi and holy God. We say we understand that at an instant, with the utterance of your mouth, you spoke and universes existed. We get that. We understand that you spoke and the oceans were teeming with life and animals were leaping across the prairies. We understand that. We believe that. We believe, Lord God, that you have named every star in the sky, that you dragged the sun from its place, that, that rain doesn't fall from the sky unless you call it to do so. We believe that... Every one of our days were written in a book before one of them came to pass. By the way, these are all scriptures. We believe that you know the end from the beginning. We believe that you hold all life in the palm of your hand. We believe that you have called into existence things that aren't so that you could show yourself powerful, but I've got it from here. That's foolishness, right? That's the foolish Galatians. They're saying... Thank you, God. Appreciate it. You're really big. You're really powerful. You're really amazing. All right, we'll take over. That's foolishness. It's stupidity. It's, it's, it's uh, pathetic is really what it is. And yet, somewhere along the way in Christian life, we got the mindset that all God wanted to do was save us and that it's our job to become more like him. If we could become more like God, we don't need him to save us. But we can't become more like him, and we need him not only to save us, but to bring us into his likeness. Uh, husbands, it isn't, please hear me out. 
It isn't your job to be a better husband. It is your job to love Jesus. And God, who has given you the Holy Spirit, listen to me, the Holy Spirit that's alive inside of us, Ephesians 1.13 says that those of us of faith have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Romans 8.9 says if you belong to Christ, you have the Spirit of God alive inside you. The job of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into all truth. The job of the Holy Spirit is to bring us into Christ's likeness. Listen, the Bible tells us later in Galatians 5, it says if you will walk by the Spirit, you will never carry out the desires of the flesh. Think about that for just a moment. Instead of me trying to be a better husband to Michelle, if I make it my aim to hand control of my life over to the Holy Spirit, that's my only aim to say, Ryan is dead, and I give you control, God. If I do that, the Holy Spirit, through me, loves Michelle. Does it make sense? It's not about me trying harder to be a good husband. It's about me... What it boils down to, what Paul says, what it boils down to is about me really trying to be dead. Ryan doesn't get a say anymore in this life. Because when Ryan tries to do it, when Ryan tries to, to fix it or make it right or make it better or be better, I'm going to fall flat on my face. How, how many of you have ever felt the frustration of trying to shake free from a sin, but you couldn't? You tried everything you could think of, every kind of accountability, every, like, you know, you just, and you're like, man, I just can't get out of it. Or flip it, how many of you have ever failed over and over and over again at praying every day or reading your Bible every day or some good thing you wanted to do? You know what I mean? And you're like, oh, like, look, I am embarrassed to pray in front of people. I've been a preacher for 20 plus years, and I don't like praying in front of people. It's weird for me. And so that keeps me from doing it a lot of times when I should be doing it. I'll be hanging out with somebody, and I will know. I will know. And if, if you know, you know. I will know I need to pray for this person. But then I'll be like, but that's weird. You know? Like, and, and, I, and then Ryan gets in the way. Ryan gets in the way. Ryan's the one that screws it up. Not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit only does what pleases the Father. Only. And so what it comes down to, what it's about, isn't about Ryan trying harder. It's about Ryan, who started this journey by faith, Waking up tomorrow and saying, God, I have no ability on my own. I have no strength on my own. Today I'm continuing in faith. The, the, as much, if I got saved yesterday, I need just as much faith as I had in God yesterday for tomorrow. Does that make sense? I still have to trust God to work in me, to make me more like him. Because Ryan doesn't have it in himself to be more like God. I need God in me to make me more like God. So Paul is talking to these Galatians, and he's like, you foolish Galatians, who has tricked you? Who's bewitched you? Having begun by the Spirit, are you really now going to be made whole, made perfect, made complete by your works, your actions? Look at what he says here in verse 5. Speaking of God, does he, does God, who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? John chapter 11, there's a guy named Lazarus. Lazarus is a friend of Jesus. Lazarus dies. He's dead for four days. Lazarus shows up. Not Lazarus, he's dead. Jesus shows up at Lazarus' tomb. And he says, hey, remove the stone. And I love what Martha, Lazarus' sister, says. She's very practical. He's been dead for four days. By now, there's a great stink. Jesus, who she's seen do miracles. In fact, she said to Jesus when he showed up, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She believes and knows that he has power. Jesus shows up and he says, remove the stone. And she goes, he's been dead four days. He's going to stink. I love 
because that would be me. I'm just like, it's, it's going to be really stinky. <laughs> like, I'm a twice-a-day shower. I can't go to bed unless I'm clean. When I was a swimmer in high school, I was a three-a-day shower just to get the chlorine off. You know, like, I mean, I, I, I eat pizza with a fork, you know, because I can't do greasy fingers. Um, you know, I go through a lot of napkins. I'm the guy going, are you, wow, you want us to open the tomb? Lysol hasn't been invented yet, you know? Like, it's, we don't have the Febreze, you know, it's bad. But he opens up the tomb, and then Jesus speaks into the tomb, and he says, Lazarus, come out. And I think, wow, brilliant. He doesn't do, like, any kind of hocus-pocus thing, you know? It's, there's no, like, sleight of hand kind of thing. Look over here at my beautiful assistant. He just says, Lazarus, come out. And a man who's been laying inside of a tomb, dead for four days, his 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 electrical impulses in his brain spark to life and his heart begins to beat again and he walks out wrapped in these clothes and they unwrap him and he's alive. And here's the question. Does the God who gives the Holy Spirit and do miracles, did he do that miracle because people were obeying the law or because they believed? Do you understand the question? Did he raise Lazarus from the dead because Lazarus had done all the right things, ticked all the right boxes, had prayed all the right prayers, or did he do it because there was faith? People believed. The blind man who calls to Jesus, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and he says, he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the blind man is brought to Jesus, and Jesus looks at the blind man and says, what do you want? And he says, I want to see. Jesus says, go and be seen, and he can see. Does Jesus do that because the guy believes or because the guy has done all the right things? It's because the guy believes. In John 9, there's a guy that's blind, and uh, the disciples, seeing this guy, ask Jesus, they say, so who sinned, this guy or his parents, that he would be born blind? I want you to understand this concept. The Jews had a concept that if you were born blind, it was either because you had sinned in the womb or your parents' sin had been so bad that you were being punished for it. That was their concept. And so the disciples say, so who screwed up? Was it this guy or his parents that he would be born blind? And Jesus goes, neither. But the glory of God could be displayed. And he goes up to the guy and he spits in the dirt and he makes some mud and he puts it on the guy's eyes. And he tells the guy, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, you'll be able to see. I want you to imagine this. Here's a blind guy. Somebody walks up to you, spits in dirt, puts mud on your eyes that they made with spit. That's a whole nother Lysol thing. <laughs> and then says, go and wash in the pool. And you just go. Like, I don't, I don't know if you're running. It would be difficult. You're blind. But maybe you've walked this path a lot. Maybe you know where the pool is. Maybe you're asking for it. But you get there. You wash your eyes off, and you can see. Here's the question. Did that guy who couldn't see that morning see that afternoon because he'd done all the right things or because he believed? It's because he believed. So here's the question that Paul's asking the Galatians. You foolish Galatians. Does God who gave you the spirit, does God who worked miracles do it because you're ticking the right boxes or because you have faith in God? You have faith in God. Now listen, here's the application. I need you to catch this. What he's talking about in Galatians isn't some dynamic miracle. What he's talking about in Galatians is day-to-day -day life. He says, put all of your confidence, all of your hope for your day-to-day -day life in Jesus, in the Holy Spirit who lives in you, in God who saved you. If your marriage is filled with tension, it'll, it's okay, it's okay 
to sit down and hold each other's hands and try to say five nice things to each other before you go to bed, that's fine, but that's not going to save your marriage. You don't need to say something nice about somebody else. You need to depend upon Jesus. If you're having a difficult time with your kids, what's going to make it better isn't the temper or the tone of your voice. What's going to make it better is that you go to raise your children not with your strength, but with the strength that God supplies. To say, God, I, I don't have the ability to be a better spouse. I don't have the ability to be a better parent. I don't have the ability to be a better uh, 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 child to my parents. I don't have the ability to do that, God. The, the faith that I have that you would save me, that's the faith that I have that you will change me. Does that make sense? The faith that we put in God to save us is the same faith we put in him to change us, to make us more like him. So that our lives would be conformed to his image. We have everything we need. Second Peter 1, I said it earlier, we have everything we need for life and godliness. The everything we need isn't our abilities. The everything we need is the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Yes, you have everything you need. I have everything I need to live a life pleasing to God. Because God in his fullness and in his power lives in me now. Not because I suddenly became smart. I'm a college dropout who majored in art. You know? It's not like I became a sudden genius. It's that the power of the living God is alive inside me. And that God is bigger than me. Does that make a little bit of sense? I started my journey by putting faith in God and saying, God, I trust that you'll save me. My every day until I die is, God, I'm putting faith in you to change me and make me more like you. Every day until I die. Let me show you something here. Look at 5.1. Galatians 5.1. For it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, so stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. The context here, which we'll, we'll go into this in detail on Wednesday night at the Bible study, but the context here is that the people, like I've already stated, have said, we'll put faith in God for saving us, but now to be holy, to have, live godly lives, we needed to do the law. We need to observe Jewish law. And what he's saying here, when he says it was for freedom that Christ set us free, he's saying from the Jewish law. He's telling these Galatians, you have been set free from the Jewish law. You don't need to be circumcised. You don't need to observe the Sabbath day or all the festivals. You don't have to observe the offerings or the feast days. He goes, you've put faith in Jesus Jesus set you free from the law. Now put your faith in Jesus still. Let your faith be in Jesus still. Let your confidence be in God still. Okay? So this is what he's telling him. He goes, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Freedom not only from sin, freedom not only from death, but freedom from, and hear me out on this, freedom from human strength and human efforts to depend upon God. So don't leave here and say, and say, Ryan said we can do whatever we want to do because it's not about us anyway. It's about God. That's not what I said. What the Bible teaches, Galatians 5, 16, if you walk by the Spirit, you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. What the Bible teaches is that if we'll say, I'm dead and I want to, I want to live by your Spirit, I want to live by your power now, if we'll say that, the work of God in us, listen to me, the Holy Spirit's not stupid. We may be, 
But the Holy Spirit absolutely isn't. And if the Holy Spirit's job is to make us more like Christ, you can be positive that a life handed over to the Holy Spirit will end up looking more like Christ. Does that make sense? So when we fail tomorrow, as we certainly will, or we fail the next day, don't think the Holy Spirit fell, make, think, oh man, I wasn't dead enough today. I had too much control of my own life today. Because while we will fail in becoming more like Christ, the Holy Spirit can't fail in becoming more like Christ or making us more like Jesus. Our failures shouldn't be kind of the end of us. Our failures should be like a warning flag that says, hey, you're living too much on your own power. Trust God. Trust God to make you a better wife. Trust God to make you a better husband. Trust God to make you a better boss or employee or child. Trust God to do his work in you. Trust God to give you more peace. Trust God to give you more joy. It's not going to be all the 1,800 things that you, we have in our Rolodex of, all right, man, that Christian discipline didn't work. What's the next thing I can try? <coughs> Trust God to do the work that he started in us. Trust God to make us more like Jesus. God has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Trust him. Trust him. Trust that that's his goal for us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 49, it says, just as we have borne the image of the earthly, i.e. Adam, sinful man, so shall we also bear the image of the heavenly. Trust that that's what God is doing. Trust that God is transferring us and changing us and transforming us into the likeness of righteous Jesus. Trust that God is doing that. And let him do it. Look at Galatians 5, 5, and 6. For through the Spirit, by faith, please, please, please hear both of those things. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Through the Spirit, by faith, we are longing for and hoping for our righteousness. Not, not through our efforts, not if we all team up and really try hard. Through faith, by the Spirit, or through the Spirit, by faith, we long for, we look for, we hope for, we cling to the righteousness that God is working in us. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, law or lawlessness, neither law nor lawlessness counts for anything. But, what does he say? But only faith working through love. This is what we're talking about. The love of God has empowered us for godly living. The love of God. Trust the love of God. Trust that God loves us enough to make us more like him. Trust that God loves us enough to change our hearts. Trust that God loves us enough to quiet our fear. Trust that God loves us enough to overthrow our turmoil. Trust that God loves us enough to give us peace and joy and, and life for him. Trust God. You trust him to save you. Trust him to give you life for this day, for this moment, for the thing that terrifies the crap out of you right now. Trust God now. And here's why. Galatians 6.14 Paul says, far be it from me 
to boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So here's what's happening. The Galatians are putting all their confidence in what they've done. Look at my resume. Can I just, can I just tell you something? The Christian resume has one line on it. I boast in Jesus. Are you a good Christian? I boast in Jesus. Have you done amazing things? I boast in Jesus. Instead of saying, I've been on these mission trips, I've read the Bible this many times, I have all these Christian t-shirts, I've supported all these ministries, none of those things make us like Jesus. Jesus makes us like Jesus through the Spirit. I boast in one thing, Paul says, the cross of Christ, which has crucified the world to me and I to the world. I have one boast. And if we as Christians think that God saved us from hell so that we could take over from there, then really what we're saying is, I choose to boast in you. But the love of God has given us everything we need for godly life because we have his spirit in us. Anyone who doesn't have the spirit doesn't belong to Christ, Romans 8 9 says. If you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God. Therefore, you have everything you need for life and godliness. So here's what we say. Theology. Here's what's on tap. The theology. The love of God empowers godly living. Here's the application, which is what we spent the last 25 minutes on. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Depend upon the Holy Spirit, not yourself. And here's our prayer. God, help us to depend upon your Holy Spirit so that our lives will glorify you. So here's what I want you to do, 30 seconds to a minute. I want you to consider that prayer. Help us to depend upon the Holy Spirit so our lives will bring you glory. And I want you to honestly, honestly, just put your petition before the Lord and honestly ask this question. God, for my daily Christian life, am I depending upon you or am I depending upon me? Ask God that question and see where you land. Are you really putting your faith in God to make you believe like him? Or have you been telling yourself all along that that's your job? Take a moment just to pray through that. God, we praise you that you love us. We praise you that your love rescued us from sin and death. We praise you, Lord God, that your love overthrew the power of sin in our life. And God, we praise you that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. God, that you have loved us enough to empower godly living in our lives. We, we pray, Lord God, that you would help us to depend upon your Holy Spirit in us rather than ourselves so that our lives will bring you glory. God, that you would remind us day in and day out that this is not our work, but yours. 
that we have no boast but you, that all of our strength, all of our confidence, all of our hope is in you, that left to our own devices, God, we'll fail again and again and again, but we trust you. We trust you for our marriages. We trust you for our children. We trust you for our jobs. We trust you for our provisions. We trust you for our joy and our peace and our life and our comfort and our hope. Our trust is in you. Lord, let us remind each other of that. Let us encourage one another with that. Let us spur one another on, not towards uh, law, but towards faith in you. Recognizing that as we put our full faith in you, our full confidence in you, what will be born in us are good works, not of our own creation, but of yours. Your miraculous power at work in us, not our human effort. God, as we leave from this place today, stir up our hearts and cause us to think on it and pray on it and know this truth deeply. And Lord, if it would glorify you, bring us back together in our homes, with our friends, with our families, back into this place to worship you and to know you more. It's in the precious name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.